for the job seekers out there, can you explain to them what ATS is and why it's not the end all be all to their job search issues? So ATS is just the acronym for applicant tracking system. Essentially, this is just a system where companies are able to promote their jobs and collect resumes. The biggest myth is you need to create a resume that's going to beat the ATS. That is that is not a thing. I don't I don't know where that came from. There's still a human behind the ATS. People like myself who have access to view the resumes. And they are typically going through these resumes one by one. What should job seekers be doing in this market? It's not just one or two things. First thing you want to do is is do a self-assessment. Like where where are you now in your career? So really getting an understanding of is the the job I'm doing today or the skills I have today, are they even valuable enough to take me to that next level? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I, I hate to bust people bubbles, but just because you feel like you should be making more money, it's, it's almost like, but what is your actual value? And tell people you should really think about yourself as a product. Like what, what kind of product are you? Like, are you a high value product or are you just sort of a product where I feel like I can find hundreds of you if I wanted to at any time? Are you interested in starting your career in the cloud? Well, if that's you, then I got some for you. Level Up in Tech is a comprehensive 24 week program guaranteed to help you land a high paying role in the cloud. Some of the skills that they teach you in Level Up in Tech are server config and troubleshooting, AWS, Infrastructure as Code, CI, CD, scripting, containerization, and more. Level Up in Tech has helped over 800 people start their career in the cloud. So if you're interested in the program, click the link in my bio, click under Tech Resources, and click on Start Your Cloud Career. And I guess you, you are you born and raised in uh, Carolina? Yes, I can. Okay. So you uh, are you a Panthers fan? Nah, nah, I'm a Broncos fan, actually. Oh, see, I should have had my Sertan jersey on, man. You know, let's ride. <laughs> Matter of fact, a bold proclamation, they are going to beat the Jets, and I'm going to say they're going to beat them by 10. I think they'll get the Jets. I think they can get the Shoot. Jets. Shoot, quiet as it's kept. They'll mess around and beat KC next Thursday. Like, KC uh, been – well, yeah, think about KC has actually been struggling. KC, they, they've been getting it done, but they've been getting some gift calls. And if you go to some of the games, like even like the last year, the worst year probably Broncos ever looked, Russ was cooking against KC. And our safeties, well, especially see. if Justin Simmons is playing, Justin Simmons know how to play against Mahomes. So they still – I think they're – I told my one of my homeboys, he's a Chiefs fan, I said, y'all need a legit number one before I think y'all offense click like it used to. Because, I mean, of course – Kelsey is a safety blanket, but them boys not getting open like they used to. They they not. So which it make Mahomes actually do have to go to all his different reads, and you know prove he that dude, which I which I think he is. But I think Peyton got the offense going. We gonna mess around, not mess around. I'm I'm also saying it right here. We're gonna trade Jerry Judy. We're gonna get some stuff back for him because I don't think he's. I can't say he's not needed on the offense, but that young dude uh, Marvin, uh, what's his name? Is it Marvin Mims? I don't know. He's a new cat, man. He didn't ran a, a kickoff back. He didn't. Um, he the, the reason why they kicked the scored the field goal and beat the Bears last week. 
he's been balling since like week one. Like he's doing all the speed stuff you need for Judy at a cheaper price, and he probably you know doesn't get hurt as much. And we got the little uh, running back McLaughlin. He cold. Like they got a little squad on offense now. Like you know they just it was cool to just pick on Russ and just because Sean Payton was going. They they had a whole bunch of games. It was cool. They could be what. <laughs> Three and zero right now, but it's really the defense fault. They was getting tore by Jimmy G and old boy from Washington, but they could have won them games. Could have, I don't know if they would beat Miami, but it was competitive in the beginning until defense just stopped caring. Like, but that's neither here nor there. Let's get everybody into the. Let's get everybody into the episode. Welcome back to the Textual Talk Podcast. I'm your host HD, and I'm finna self proclaim it right there. The number one tech podcast on YouTube. Where we talk about careers, how to get into tech, interview strategies, anything you can think of, we talk about it here. And we got a special guest for you all today. Career hacker Nate, aka Nate Wiley, is in the building today. Let's go ahead and give him a round of applause, please. Yeah, man. Hey, Nate, appreciate you for rocking with us today. Uh, first things first, listeners or watchers, if you're on YouTube, you know what to do. Hit that thumbs up button and subscribe. Hit all on the notification bell. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else, please make sure you leave us a review, share out the podcast, follow it to help us out with those downloads and those podcast algorithms. But Nate, it's Friday, man. Uh Glad we had to reschedule, but we had to get it done. We had to get it done. I just want you to briefly uh, no introduce worries. yourself to the listeners and just tell them a little bit about yourself. Bet. Well, definitely appreciate the invite. Um, yeah, like I said, we had to reschedule, but we we here. We're going to have a good time with it. But Career Hacker Nate is the alias I've been going by um, for the last couple of months now. Um, we can get into a little bit later how that came about, but been in talent acquisition for about 12 years now. Um, started off in staffing, moved into what I moved to uh, distribution, manufacturing, and into tech, startups. And now I'm doing my own thing uh, as an independent contractor and working with a couple of different startups, trying to help them uh, do some headcount planning, implement ATS systems. Uh, really just, honestly, I, I've been working towards this, just need a break from from being managed for a while uh, and kind of do my own thing, consult, hop in and hop out. But that's that's what pays the bills, but kind of, I don't want to say on my free time, but in addition to that, I've been probably dedicating maybe six to seven hours a week to like speaking with different job seekers or, or people just kind of need a little bit of direction in their career path. And I just meet with them for about 30 minutes, 45 minutes to help them get a better understanding of where the value lies and and how they should be looking at their careers and, and maybe what's uh, a better career choice if they're looking to level up. Yeah, man, that's that's dope. I'm glad you have been doing that. I think that's always needed from people that are in talent acquisition, which we're going to talk about a little bit more later. But before we get into the episode, I thought about asking a new question here as far as saying, you know, what's one random interesting fact about yourself? Um, you done took me back to like new higher orientation. <laughs> so I, I always hate these questions. <laughs> I think, um, I was in the Air Force Reserves for six years. A lot of people don't know that. Um, it's on my LinkedIn, but it usually gets looked over. But I think that was kind of random. 
because I'm not, uh, I don't talk about it. Like you don't never see me, um, you know, with like an Air Force veteran hat on or anything like that. But it, it was actually a, a time in my life where I needed a reset and it just came at a time where I, I literally just jumped up out of nowhere. I didn't, I didn't tell my family about it. I didn't tell really any friends or anything. It was just like a couple of weeks. I was like, oh yeah, I'm headed out to the boot camp next month. They're like, what? <laughs> like I just signed up. I just need to dip. I needed to change the scenery. So I'll say that's pretty random. Um, but it, you know, I, I took some learnings from it, but it was cool. <laughs> nah, so I did the reserves. And so just real quick. So what happened was I'm the type of person, like, I just like personal challenges. And so I was just interested in the the boot camp side of it and the tech school. Once I passed everything and I was actually in the Air Force, I was like, yeah, this, you know, this ain't all that. Because uh, after that, it's just like a job. It was just like work. Um, but no, nah, I, I was actually able to start my recruiting career like as soon as I got out of tech school. And that's what really kind of threw me off because I was all in on talent acquisition at that point. And so like the military just became like an obligation I, I had to finish out. Um, but I was making more money on the talent acquisition side. And so they was trying to get me to invest more time and effort into the military. But I was like, nah, I'm, I'm kind of good with uh, what I got going on, on the civilian side. Definitely. And I know you can, you kind of skip right into the Air Force thing. Far as like when it, when it came to high school, because we all know, and I'm a staunch believer of this, I think it's pretty hard to ask a 17, 18 year old boy or girl what they want to be when they grow up, right? <laughs> Knowing how much things change from there. Like if you ask anybody when they're a kid, like I, I've told people plenty of times, hey, because I posted the, the meme the other day on my IG story. I used to want to be a Power Ranger when I was a kid. I thought Power Rangers was real. I was like, when I get in high school, I'm going to be a Power Ranger. I'm going to have a little motorcycle. I used to say, I'm going to park my motorcycle right here because I thought it was real. Uh, then after that, I, after that, I loved wrestling. I was like, I'm going to be a wrestler. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going. I'm about, I like the Rock, Stone Cold, my favorite. So I'm, I'm going to be a wrestler. I'm going to do this and that. And then I realized it wasn't real. <laughs> it's, it's, y'all seeing a trend here a little bit but after that I want to be an architect and that didn't go how I needed it to go so I said you know what I'm gonna go to something I'm good at but coming out of high school for you outside of like going to the Air Force did you have any like extracurricular activities that you did or things that you want that you pursued like while you're in high school that maybe you thought you might do as an adult um so let, let me um, set the timeline. So I actually was, um, I think I was like 25 when I joined the Air Force. So I had already been, yeah, I had already been to college. I had already tried to make my degree work. And so that's why I called the Air Force like my reset because I, I tried to, I wish I tried I tried so hard to be an officer, um, but they, they, I had a psychology degree. And so they was like, we're only accepting um, people for officer school who have like a degree in like computer science or physics, something they feel like they can use on the tech side. I, I think I just didn't try hard enough. I talked to like two people and that's what they told me. And, but then once I got in and started talking to other people, I learned, I just didn't try hard enough. I, I didn't do enough research, but to answer your question, 
very similar to you. I, I think also I, I wanted to be a ninja. Like that was my thing um, when growing up. But when I um, kind of got into high school, I had no clue what I was going to be, brother. I ain't going to lie. I, I just knew I needed to get to college. And I thought college was going to have all the answers. And then once I got into college, I, I realized that wasn't the case. Changed my major from, I think I was trying to be like an electrical engineer, chemistry whipped my ass. Um, so I ended up changing my major to psychology, um, which was cool. I, I liked the behavioral piece of it. Um, and then that's when I got out. I was trying to do like youth counseling, home health care type stuff. But that, that just kind of wasn't hitting the way I wanted to. And that's when I ended up going to the military. Um, but I always had recruiting in my mind because trying to find a job was so frustrating that I wanted to be on the other side of the table and kind of understand what was happening behind the curtain. And so that's where um, the recruiting idea was kind of planted. And that's what I pursued uh, once I kind of finished up with my school in the military. Cool. Speaking of college, what college did you attend? I went to a USC Upstate in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Okay. Okay. And uh, how was that experience for you? It was cool. It's a it's a small school, man, um, in comparison. And so it was to be honest, like all I, I couldn't really even tell you a lot of people who went there other than like the the clique that kinda hung together. Got it. Um if I'm being honest, like probably like all the black people knew each no, other. No, that's how that's how it was um, at LA Tech. Like if you was black, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, all the black people knew each other. Um but the classroom, of course, was majority, you know, white folks. But I just kind of knew the ones that was in that class. It, it wasn't a lot of mixing and mingling that I saw. Um, and I don't, I'm not saying that to be negative. Like, I, I think people just kind of associated with, you know, people like them. But uh, but it was real cool, man. We we had a ball. Um, college was fun. Like, we still, you know, a lot of people from college still hang out and stay, stay in touch today. So A little bit same here. Everybody kind of went their separate ways. But when we see each other, it's all love. Like, like nothing ever happened. But I wanted to actually get into the fact that you you already kind of explained that some of the other jobs you wanted to do kind of weren't hidden, and you had recruiting kind of in your mind. How, so first of all, how did you get introduced to recruiting? And then we'll get into like your first talent acquisition gig. If I had to put my finger on it, I think recruiting to me sort of came into focus or like an idea when I was going to job fairs after I graduated. And usually the people at the table are recruiters. And so I would be going to these different tables and they're trying to pitch me on, you know, come be a customer support professional or enterprise was a big one, you know, come be a management trainee. And I would just be asking them, I'm like, what's your job? They're like, oh, I work in recruitment. I'm like, how do I get that job? How do I get to that? And they never really had an answer. They was like, um, I mean, you know, you got to get in with a company and get to know the right people. They could never really tell me how they got there. But right, right. But that was always my thing. I like this seems like the best job in the world. Like you, you have the jobs, like you're the one trying to hire other people. And so that just always stuck with me. And then when I was working in one of those uh, like you counseling type positions and I was working for the small, the small company, um, they needed to hire some more counselors. And so the owner of the company 
I was in the office doing something one day and it was like, Hey, you got some time. Can you go through the stack of resumes I printed out? And it was like, just pull out resumes of people who look like they have a background like yours, who got a degree, who maybe have like one or two years of experience in this. I was like, cool. And so I actually enjoyed doing that more than like meeting with the kids. And so I wanted, I wanted to do that more. <laughs> and so I was like, what? Bruh, it was crazy. And like all of them was like in the hood too. I had to go visit. Yeah, that, that wasn't that wasn't the, the best days of my life, but it, it 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 helps me now to look back and like, man, you came a long way, boy. <laughs> but you know what? If you can explain but, things to kids, then explaining it to adults should be super easy. It was, but you got to think about and not to spend too much time on that, but you got to think about like what I was trying to accomplish. So the the kids were in a program because they had behavioral issues. I would spend maybe like one to three hours a week with them, whether it's going to see them at their home or in the school. What I had to say in that point in time, just it wasn't going to stick like what they were seeing in their environment. You know what I'm saying? And so I was literally trying to, you know, tell them, you know, don't fight, don't cuss the teacher out, you know, sit there, learn your lesson. But I mean, it was, it was just, who is this guy, right? Like I, I just, I just pull up for, for an hour and then I pop out. Like I, I wasn't sort of that that steady uh, person in their life, like really in their ear about it. And then I remember one time I walked, I was walking up to the house uh, to meet with them. The grandma was in there telling them, you know, the fight back and whoop ass. So I was like, what? I'm, I'm wasting my time. <laughs> They was getting bullied or something. I mean, yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, you got to do what you got to do in in the context of things, and and that's what I mean. Just older now, looking back, I just don't think that that was sort of helpful in in a way. Um, it, it it was just bigger than what I was able to offer, and I'm just I'm just a very realistic type of person. If if you're really trying to make some change, you got to change in multiple areas of a person environment, like dropping me in just to drop some, some, uh, you know, a little bit of knowledge on if you keep heading down this path, it's not going to work out or, you know, don't you want to pass your grade, that type of stuff. I just don't think it was, I don't think it was, it was registering in the way that the program felt it would. Yeah, I agree. I think, and, uh, and we won't spend too much time on this, but it was a tweet the other day was talking about, they pretty much been doing these things where it's this meme where somebody's holding knives to uh, somebody's neck or swords. And it's like one of those West Monday opinions that get you killed like this. And some woman was like, black schools were too focused on materialistic things and something else. And I quoted it. I was like, no, all this stuff started at home. It's not the school. And I was like, that's typically what you, we find out. I normally tell people, Sometimes it's easier to reach the kid when they're like a certain age versus when they are at the age where it's like, like you said, whatever you say ain't going to matter. They just going to have to see for themselves, fat meat, not greasy. And and however that may happen to them, that's what they're going to find out. But that's typically how, how it goes with kids. And unfortunately, the environments, like you said, are crazy. But good, the good thing is people like you and me in this space now and all the other the black faces that they can see, they can see there may be a different way for them. And now they got, most of our kids got social media and smartphones, so they got access to this stuff. So maybe they can see this versus some of the other stuff that they watch on social media. And maybe that gives them a different route on how they need to act and 
what they would need to do if they want to live a certain lifestyle. Oh yeah. I definitely believe each generation, it gets a, it gets a little easier. Um, the rate at which that's moving, I couldn't necessarily tell you. I, I haven't done any research on that, but I can just tell like the, the key is now to be able to get rich and make good money, like off YouTube videos and following stuff like that. I'm all for it, man. I'm all for it. Like, why not? If it's there, I mean, if, if you're getting brand deals and you making more money than your family ever saw just because you funny and entertaining, man, go for it. Yeah, I think I think the the hard part about that is unfortunately everybody's getting like a lot of money fast sometimes and they never knew how to handle a little bit of money. So sometimes they get a little bit more than they could choose. So it's like one of those things like, hey, as all these things elevate, get the right people around you to help you out so you can make sure you keep this and and not be a flash in the pan. Cause we've seen everybody. We was around when people was going crazy on Vine and now you got TikTok and Instagram reels, YouTube shorts, whatever. But so we've seen all these different things come and go. We have MySpaces. This ain't, this ain't here no more. You know, it's not a guaranteed thing. YouTube be here tomorrow, even though I you know, don't find that to be true. But sometimes you just never know. So this is one of those things where we're like, hey, just have some skills to fall back on sometimes too. But one of the questions I was going to ask you is before we dive into like the first recruiter gig, I want to ask you, how have you been able to have a career in recruiting, sourcing, talent acquisition that spans pretty much a, a decade plus? Like, how have you been able to do that? That's the career hacking, man. If I'm, if I'm being honest, I didn't, I mean, the, the career hacker term, I think is something that's kind of trendy right now. Um, I actually first heard about it. Um, I saw a growth hacker position and then I just started looking out like, what else is like hacking? And then saw career hacking, but it's really just, I've always tried to stay a step or two ahead of, of what's going on. Um, whether that's even, I feel like um, to very simply answer your question, even if I feel like I'm in a good place at my company, I'm looking at what's next and can I move up here or do I need to make a leap? And I'm good at sort of quickly identifying where's the ceiling at my organization. Um, my first in-house recruiter job, I literally, um, I actually talked to my boss the other day, but me and her are still real cool, but she, you know, she was cool. And she told me, you know, it was, it was essentially a, a distribution company. So sales is, is what drove the company. And she was saying the, the owner had made a decision that we was going to stay flat. Um, and that, that included like increases and, and promotions and, and things like that. And so, I start jotting down on a not on a notepad. If I get a three percent increase every year, you know, for the next three four years, what my comp would be. I wasn't satisfied with what that number was. I, okay, I need to make a move. Um, although I really love the organization, I was only the recruiter there. I kind of had a lot of autonomy to do whatever I wanted to do. My boss wasn't on me about anything, so I could have just sat there and you know just rolled that out for as long as I wanted to, but I just knew that wasn't going to get me to where I wanted to be uh, financially. And so I started interviewing around and I, I made a leap that was, you know, like five, six K above where I would have been if I sat there for another three or four years. And so that's, I've always tried to run that play. Um, went to the next company, tried to become a manager. I saw, I didn't see 
a path towards that. My director wasn't really having it, whereas he liked the work I was doing, but I think he was just in his mind, he just couldn't see promoting me into that role. And, um, and then I got my sights on tech at that point. So um, I, I kind of knew I've always, I always keep my, my head on the swivel for wh- which direction do I need to be moving in? Um, and that's, that's what I try to tell folks Like you should always be entertaining new opportunities um, and having those conversations. Even when I was um, with Lyft all those years, I had opportunities to leave, but I saw a path towards management um, and I wanted to, to get that management title on my LinkedIn before making a move. Cause I knew if I went to another company too soon, I would have to come in. It'll be, I'll get more money, but it'll be a lateral and title. And so I would never be able to, to, to get like that more strategic management type of experience. And I would just be feeling wrecks. Like I said, I'll probably be making money. Um, but I would have to go in and kind of start at the bottom again and work my way back up, rebuild my brand you know, figure out who the people are, play the politic game, all that kind of stuff. And I already had did that at Lyft. And so I wanted to kind of cash in on that before I made a move. Man, I'm glad you said that. Listen, guys, if y'all don't take nothing else away from this conversation, what he just said is key. Because ironically, I asked this to the woman in HR the other day about, hey, what's what our merit raises look like every year? And she told me what the amount was. And I was like, that's kind of low to me. Cause I came from another company. Like, I mean, my first year at Goldman Sachs, I wasn't even there much. Like I, I started in November and then in January, it was like, oh yeah, we're just going to do a 5% increase. So I was like, cool. And Optiv, I think I got seven or 8% like every year. Um, yeah, that's legit. And it's, but, but to your point, even that, I think a lot of people don't even ask those questions. I don't think they, they know that, you work there as, as part of the company you can send an email to HR or, or have a sit down with your manager to talk about your career path. I feel a lot of people are just very reactive to what companies tell them or the position they put them in. Whereas if you can be a little bit more proactive and actually understand, should you, should you make a move or should you sit tight? Maybe, maybe you are in the best possible place for you right now. And there are some, some good strategic moves you can make internally. Um, but it's important for me to understand like, what are all my options? Um, but a lot of people don't get that information to really understand. Um, I have made a post as well, like understand like what, what would it take for me to get promoted? Am I even in a position to where I can get promoted or is the, the organization not even structured in a way that there's anywhere for me to go from here? Um, that all that is very important if you're actually trying to be intentional about your career. That's why I think the other day one of my snippets was about like not focusing too much on company loyalty. Like I was at Opta for almost four years, but I stayed there because I kept on getting new challenges and pretty much like promoted and doing different things. It's the only reason I was there that long because they were showing me a path of what I could do there. Or like right before I left, like my manager was going to be the uh, pretty much going to like a director level role. And she was like, oh, yeah, you should manage this team. But I was like. I don't want to manage the team. <laughs> uh, and then that's when I left to the finance industry because I wanted to try a new industry out, which is also like a, a gym you can do. Like you can find out different industries got different pay bands. So when you get one of those industries on your name, now like the floodgates start opening up for different opportunities for you just because you went with a good name in the industry that pays a certain way. 
And so that's that's one of the things that we can always circle back and talk to because, like you said, I tell my clients, hey, you don't have to have the green banner on, but leave your open to work on because sometimes the offer will come into your inbox that you can't refuse. Like even your manager would tell you you'll be a fool not to take that. <laughs> so because they'll tell you, hey, listen, we can't even match. Like sometimes they like you'll get a opportunity that they probably can't match and it would take you probably 10, 20 years to even try to get that amount. And by that time, you probably won't be at the company anyway. So, Man, I'll tell you what, one thing I do regret, um, I should have taken more calls just to build my network at the time, but I was so busy because uh, the, the market had kind of bounced back in, in 2021. Talent acquisition was popping i mean i i look at i look at some of my messages now i was getting hit up at least like four or five times a week for like ta manager jobs like all these new startups were popping up out of nowhere but to your point i stayed at live kind of the way same way you say you stayed at um octave just because i saw a path like they were giving me a lot of opportunity and i literally was able to gain so much valuable experience because they were just letting me you know run with different projects manage different teams, recruiting different organizations. And I mean, I was just like a sponge. Like I'm, I'm learning the way this whole industry operates just cause they were giving me all these different opportunities. And so, um, money is very important. I, I love the money, but I think also you have to always be trying to play that balance between, okay, I can take, you know, some money now or this experience, they can never take that from me. And I can always sort of leverage that for more, more value and more money in the market. Um, and that's, that's kind of where my mind was, uh, at that time. No, that that's facts because a lot of times people, which I'm not against you early on in your career job popping. However, if you keep job popping, but you're not getting skills that take you to the next level, then eventually you need to just stay somewhere for a year or two and really get those skills down, those accomplishments down. Like I said in the last episode, a couple of episodes ago, when I'm doing your resume and you don't have anything you achieved. It's hard to make you look like one of the ideal candidates when you apply this role if you can't tell me what you did if you were just there. Like th- those are the things people are not paying attention to. Some people are just going to work and some people are there. They're trying to make a name for themselves. They're writing everything down. I tell everybody, listen, the day you start, write everything down, big or small. I don't care how big or small it is, write it down. So we have some stuff to work with. Like if you got some ideas, like I got a one note filled with stuff right now of ideas to do at work just because like they asked me oh what you think oh you got this thing right here we can do this 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 then this so when the projects ever come up i've been notating it for a while and not just um the impact part is important and the achievements like that's great but even like you say just not even being able to remember what you've done because you just get in a mode of of working and it's so many times myself included, like I'm not exempt. People just ask like, Oh, what do you do? And you have like, ah, like, cause it's, you don't just articulate it on a daily and like, you just kind of, you know, clock in and, and get to it. Um, but individuals who aren't sort of like in the space where they're always so focused on their careers until something, until something clicks with them where, okay, I need to make some more money or they feel like the company may be um, getting a little bit unstable. Now they're trying to play catch up and and they've been working for three years and they can't even tell you what they've done. And yeah, I've talked to individuals with those same problems and I catch hell trying to help them 
put together a resume because they can't tell me anything. I'm like, I can't make this up for you. Like, I don't <laughs> like I can look up job descriptions, but that's not going to sell you as an ideal candidate because the the actual achievement, the the data points aren't going to be there to for for someone else to to read and really understand the impact that you have. Totally agree. But I want to segue into the question about your first recruiting gig in Dallas. What was that like? How was that? Was this your, also your first time in Dallas? Like, just how was that like for you overall? That was cool, man. That was that was part of my um, part of that reset. So when I joined the Air Force, I picked um, Tinker in Oklahoma City as my base. So when you when you join reserves, you get to choose where you want to where you want to be stationed. And so I picked Tinker, but I knew I didn't want to live in Oklahoma. And so Dallas, I think it's like a three hour drive. And so I like, okay, I can I can do that um, on my on my weekends and, and the two weeks a year, whatever the deal is. And so um, I knew I wanted to get into recruiting, and I didn't have I didn't have really any money to like just move out to Dallas and and start looking around. I knew I needed to secure a job first. So my sister at the time lived in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. And so I actually went and lived with her for a month while I was looking for positions in Dallas because I was thinking, like, at least that's, like, close enough I can drive. I can get down there um, if I get an interview request. But it's crazy. So I was looking for, like, a month, reached out to this guy um, at, at Pinnacle. He was the recruiter at the time. He responded quickly and was like, he actually was like, hey, can you come in this afternoon for an interview? I knew I couldn't make that work. So I was like, I'll be there. I can be there in the morning. He was like, okay. So I woke up early, drove down to Dallas, interviewed for the job. And then I think I got an offer like the next day. Like it was like quick. So staffing is is almost like a sales role. Um, and so I actually had to, and then they wanted me to start pretty quickly too. So I had to drive back, pack up, um, I signed a lease at a at an apartment fairly quickly, but it wasn't gonna be ready for like a week. So I stayed at like one of those like residence inns, something for a week. Like, man, it it was it was one of those times in my life I look back, I was like, but you know, I was trying to get it. I was like, I, I want to make this work. But man, I was yeah, I was stretching every dollar. Um, because putting down, you know, application fee and all that kind of stuff. I didn't have a lot to work with. I, I hadn't started working yet. Um but yeah, man, it, it was cool. I loved it. I loved it. It was, um, I think, staffing for anyone who has a um, a desire to get into recruiting. Like staffing is a great, great place to start because it, it does give you recruiting experience, and it's it's without like all the. It's almost like taking a certification course instead of going to college. Like it, it just gets straight to the point of what we're trying to do. We're trying to fill roles, so all that, all the extra fluff, even. You know, recruiters may hate me, but like the whole candidate experience and all of that, they don't care nothing about that. It's, it's all about them dollars. It's, it's about getting butts and seats as quickly as possible and you start billing. And so it it, it teaches you diligence because you're on the phones all day, like cold outreaches, um, trying to negotiate people, trying to tell people to leave full time jobs for contract opportunities that may turn perm. Like, I mean, it it you got to have a, a little greed in you. Um, that's why I wanted to go in house like I was good at it. Um, but I wasn't like, I wasn't a shark with it. Like, like some people um, that I work with. Speaking of that made me think about this question that I did not give you beforehand. 
But when you said that about the contract positions, that made me think about, and I hate to say it, but this is my pod. And if ain't nobody going to say it, I got to say it because I'm just perplexed about it every time they reach out to me. But them recruiters from India, man. Um, What are they doing with our information? Because why not just me, but so many people, every time they send them they, their, um, their resume and anything else, they never hear from them again. Like, what is going on? I don't think it's anything... Um... Don't get me wrong. Like I'm pretty sure some of them are like a like a scam, like a phishing scam. But you got to think about just like customer support. Like the 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 labor, for lack of a better term, over there is cheaper. And so I know I even know some people who who own recruiting agencies who outsource um, their sourcing efforts to to India um, to to reach out to individuals for positions that sit in the U.S. But you can you can pay those sourcers like a third of what a sourcer would want to be. And and so that's what it is. So, but even, even us sourcers will, will go she quick. Cause like I said, it's sales. Like it's, it's whatever, it's whatever is going to hit the quickest. And what's, what's probably happening is they're going through LinkedIn, just like, you know, any other recruiter saying like, Hey, I got this opportunity send me your resume. I present you, they present you, the um the client doesn't like you or doesn't respond and so you don't hear anything back like they've moved on to whatever's going to make them money um so yeah i i don't i don't think it's anything like super scary to worry about but they go lie some of each other now some of them work for some oh, their yeah, companies oh, yeah. are a little bit reputable i think where sometimes they get a little sketch too is when they want you to put out information so they can represent you and bro let me real quick on that note now when I first, that job you was talking about in Dallas, so some of the clients that we work with, because they worked with so many uh, different staffing firms and they wanted to make sure like candidates weren't being duplicated, duplicated in the system, we had to get individuals social security numbers over the phone. Now you talking about tough? Man, bruh, like... <laughs> You talking about tub telling somebody that you just calling out the blue in order to get you submitted over? I'm gonna need your social. I feel terrible every time I ask because and and we knew that internally we wouldn't even get mad when a candidate wouldn't give it to us. Like all we could do was just try to explain to them why um, and send them over information to show that we're reputable. Um, I mean, we would do anything like, hey, like here, call call the main office line and you'll get you know, transfer it back to me just to show like, I'm not trying to scam you. Like this is a real opportunity, but I don't blame them. I, like, I wouldn't give anyone my social just called me about a job. Like, why do you need my social just to submit my resume? But that's what some of the clients required. Um, yeah, that was, that was a crazy time. I've been involved plenty of times. Like you said, there are people out, they'll be in my LinkedIn inbox by like two or three recruiters. They're all recruiting for the same role from different staffing agencies and they're like trying to headhunt you. And now so the benefit of knowing about this is like if you want to go through with it, hey, see which one of these companies is offering you the best rate. Yeah. Yeah, it's which one's off the best rate and then some of them, and that's where like the whole like account exec relationships get into play because even the clients like have like their favorites. Um, but that's what like a um MSP is set up for is where everyone has to, it's supposed to create fairness instead, but the, the good AEs, I will call them the good account execs. Like they try to go around it 
directly to the hiring manager and be like, hey, I found somebody. Can I send it straight to you? And that's where the MSP will honestly, they'll get pissed because that's why they're in place to, to cut all that out. Um, but it's, it's, I mean, it's good spread. It's good money in staffing. Um, that's that's why they, they fight so hard to get people placed. <laughs> I wouldn't care. Like I said, I just talk to these people just to talk to them and see what they're going to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's good for the network because usually they'll, you talk to a good uh, staff and recruiter, they may, you know, jump in-house somewhere one day and, and they'll remember you. Um, it's, it's all about planting those seeds. So it's definitely no, nothing wrong with having those conversations, especially if you know you're valuable and you're not desperate. It's like, you know, I'll cut it short if I want to. Like, <laughs> Touch on that a little bit later because I was talking about that on, on Twitter to the people about the desperation players getting old on LinkedIn. But I want to ask you about... The other job, right after that, that first staffing gig, you were, uh, I guess you was like a regular, let's see, yeah, technical recruiter to national recruiter. Was that just a title or is it something different within the scope of your job that made it be a national recruiter versus just a technical recruiter? That's just what they called it. So when I was at uh, Pinnacle, it was a, a, technical, a technical staffing firm. And so everybody was a technical recruiter. Um, and those were the the type of positions that we specialize in. So when I went to the next uh, staffing organization, I actually went with my account exec. So he got an offer to come over and he brought me and um, like two other people with him. Um, I'm sure he wasn't supposed to do that, but we, we did it. <laughs> and so uh, and so this staffing firm was different. So the the main arm of it was technical recruiting, but they had actually sort of had like a startup within the staffing firm that went after all the non-technical business. And so it was smaller spreads, but higher volume. And so what that side of the business did, we were actually trying to fill like all the GNA positions, uh, project manager roles. Um, we would get like, you know, they need to hire like 40 call center representatives on, on contract. And we would try to get, you know, 20 or 30 of those. Um, and so that's why they, right, right, right. And, but it was, it was easier contrast because these individuals would be more open uh, to that type of work versus like trying to, to get like a senior software engineer to, to lead their job. But they just called it a national recruiter because it, it was literally like almost, anything anywhere and, and so they just called it a national recruiter now this next question is probably a question you get asked all the time but you saw that i asked you could you explain to us what's the difference between recruiting sourcing talent acquisition and also i guess the better part would be what place does it play in hr or is it like a subset of hr like they all are different and have i guess some overlap but in your experience what's the difference between the three so they they all sit under like an HR or a people umbrella. I like to carve it out, but if you if you talk to an HR professional, they they don't like that. Like they they want to maintain that ownership. I, I I've bumped heads with with HR in almost every job I've worked at because um, it is it's different. It's different. Like we have different mindsets and and we're trying to accomplish different goals. Right? I'm trying to hire people, bring them into the company. You're trying to make sure they follow the rules and or terminate them if, if they if they start to be a problem. So we're not thinking about it the same way. Um, but to break down the the different 
sort of sets within that. So sourcing is really just like a like a lead generator, if you think about it in, in sales terms. So they don't necessarily stay with the candidate throughout the 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 whole journey from application or, or from initial outreach to to offer. Usually a sourcer is going to pass a candidate off to a recruiter. And a recruiter is responsible for maintaining that relationship with them and or closing them um, if they get to offer stage. Sourcers usually aren't going to extend any offers, um, schedule any interviews, or, or do any further engagement. Now, most recruiters are responsible for sourcing as well. Um, usually at larger companies is where you'll see they actually have like a team of sourcers and then like a team of recruiters. Um, a lot of companies get by just fine with just having a recruiting team and the recruiting team is responsible for doing their own sourcing is they call it like running a full desk, like being like a, a full cycle recruiter. Um, talent acquisition, depending on who you ask, like recruitment and talent acquisition are, are interchangeable. But for me, the difference is talent acquisition is just a lot more um, like robust and comprehensive of what all goes into acquiring talent to an organization. So you have to look at how are we writing our job descriptions? What sort of benefits are we offering to attract the best talent? Um, what sort of marketing are we doing to, you know, do we have like a, a social media profile that we're trying to, you know, show life at this company or, or you know, what's the inside of it actually looks like? Um, yeah, it's more salesy, but it, it's like it's like big picture for me, uh, talent acquisition. Yeah. So so even, you know, depending on how large the organization is and how much uh, they're looking to invest into talent acquisition, you can have individuals who sit within talent acquisition that just focus on recruitment marketing, uh, you know, that are responsible for going to all the different Afrotechs events and things like that to attract. Like they sit within talent, but they only focus on like events and, and marketing um, early career is something I would call that's different than actual recruiting because they're only focused on like, how do you get that talent as soon as they graduate? But that would fall under talent acquisition. So it's talent acquisition is like big picture. If you're looking at all the different channels, individuals can come into the organization, that's talent acquisition. So even getting down to which systems do we use, uh, which sourcing channels are we going to pay for, um, the analytics, uh, that goes into it, like all that falls under talent acquisition, but that may not necessarily be recruitment, if that makes sense. Ooh, cool. That's a that's a great breakdown. I know that's going to help a lot of people. And while I'm on the subject, asking about the difference of those before we kind of get back into your kind of story and work history. Out of those three, which one is the most entry level friendly? Definitely probably a sourcer. Uh, usually people will will get an opportunity to be a sourcer before uh, they'll get the opportunity to be a recruiter. Just because being a recruiter requires having the ability to source, if that makes sense. Um, sourcing is just more so, honestly, it, it depends on what's required of them. Sourcing may just be going through LinkedIn and creating like a project in LinkedIn recruiter just so that the recruiter doesn't have to do that part of it. And then the recruiter is actually the one doing the cold outreaches. 
um, or the sorcerer could do the cold outreaches. The people that respond, they just do an intro to a recruiter and they never actually even hop on the phone with them. And so sourcing kind of just teaches you how to actually find qualified candidates to uh, match with a requisition. Uh, whereas full cycle recruitment, you have to have relationships with the hiring managers. You have to try to make sure the candidates having a positive experience. You have to negotiate offers at the end. So it's a lot more um, sort of skill involved in, in actually being a recruiter. So most people go from sourcing, then they get promoted to a recruiter. What you're right, because I have noticed the difference between some people that kind of just source me and then the people that recruiters that I you know, making my own relationship with just because they're with me like every step of the way of the, pro the process or, or they're checking on me. Hey, how's everything going? Or, or they're always the ones to give me updates like the team loved you or so. Yeah, I agree. And I believe that also. I tell people this and and you could probably agree with this, but I was like, sometimes your your process and how you treat that talent it can make or break you on getting better talent into the environment because if they had a, like you said a horrible time they'll go back and say hey don't even bother applying to them i had a trash time they trash they didn't do what they're supposed to do when it comes just to simple things in the process versus if i have a very good experience then i tell people all the time about certain recruiters i work with in companies i say yo dope company dope team they put the right amount of effort in hiring the right recruiters they also put the right amount of effort in having the right type of interviewers because that is an issue in itself. And those are the type of companies you want to work for. So when companies pay attention to like small details like that, then it's actually a good sign versus if they don't care at all. For sure. On, the, on that note, though, and I think just because I've, I've gotten older and a little bit more jaded, I think it's also um, it's also about what you're looking for, I think, um, because I can't even lie. Like there, it don't. It doesn't matter which company I've worked for, or you know how good or bad the reputation may be. Because sometimes it it goes up and down, right? You you can find somebody to to take that job because because people people are gonna need a job. You know what I'm saying? So so maintaining a positive uh, reputation is is always going to be the goal. That should be the goal for the company and the person, but. I'm sure you also know, I, I know some shitty people who always get jobs, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like the other two really companies, like I've said in plenty of interviews, but I was really high on Yahoo and Microsoft last year. I was really high on their processes of going through everything with them. Even Target too. I was high on Target as well. I was high on Target as well. Emotional. It's emotional. When you... When something makes you feel good, you're like, hey, man, that, you know, that was dope. Like, I really enjoyed it. Even it's been times I haven't gotten the job and still like, hey, let me know, you know, if, if you all reconsider. <laughs> I technically got the job, but then they had to put stuff on hold. But even like just the brief time we actually talked and just small talk between us, you know, me checking in with her even now, like, oh, yeah, how's everything at Yahoo? You know, how's the baby? Because she had a baby. So even things like that and everyone who's interacted with that specific recruiter is like yo like like she's dope like she is she's she's good she's she's like that but that, re that report piece is is important um one thing i do know from 12 years in recruiting though whoever gets the offer they, they always say it was a great experience <laughs> it's everybody else <laughs>
<laughs> it don't matter how long it took. They're like, oh no, everybody was great. I get it. Y'all gotta make y'all gotta take your time. It's an important decision. I'm like, yeah, you got the job, so it's all good. Uh yeah. <laughs> right, cool. But if it's not, I, I I probably would let you know just because like, hey, yeah, I need it, but y'all should do this, this, and this uh while it's going on. And that reminds me that that channel that I sent you, he touches on like a lot of that stuff about, hey, here's why it's taking so long for your offer to come back, or here's why this is happening. That I think that's some stuff you might can touch on outside of this. But I put in the questions, I was saying after that role, you went back and forth between talent acquisition and recruitment work. Um, while you were doing those, what industries were you doing TA working and recruiting in? That's why I say it's kind of interchangeable, um, depending on the company. And so one of the main factoring company, I think you're probably referring to where I was a, uh, like a talent acquisition partner. That's just what they called it. Like they, that, that was the term they used, which I, I like that term. I, I like putting partner with it. Right. I like putting partner with it. But when I left that company and went to Lyft, my title was recruiter and I was making a lot more money. I had equity. <laughs> I was actually doing more, you know, <laughs> talent acquisition related duties. Like I was involved with like projects and, and process implementation. So Liv just decided to call it recruiters. Um, so yeah, that's why I say you, you kind of can't get stuck on the title. And I think it's a, it's an important point to make to your audience is you should also understand your job function in your industry and all the different types of titles that you know may may be involved in, in in the world that you live in so i know for sure like looking at job descriptions or, or looking on linkedin i know the titles that are relevant to me in my world uh, regardless of what they because it's tech like they'll they'll come up with something fancy out of nowhere and, and call it something crazy. You know, I, I know what you're doing. Like, I, I know what it is. You're just trying to be a little bit different. And so I, I think it's important for people to always be understanding because there have been times I've talked to people, um, helping them trying to understand which way to go in their career. And they were, they were missing like a whole segment of jobs because they didn't know that other companies called it something different. Like, oh yeah. You got to open your eyes. Like just because they call it this where you work doesn't mean they're going to call it that at another company. Thank you. Listen, I tell people that all the time when we're consulting, let's not focus so much on job title and this function. Let's focus on like the functions and the job skills, because that'll lead you to the roles that you want to do. Because if it's the same type of things you were doing here, it might have a different title or you might have a super specific title here that doesn't line up somewhere else, which I had a talk with a client right there. I said, how many, how often do you see that title anywhere else? I said, we may want to change that on LinkedIn because if we don't see that that much, we need to change it to the high level term that everyone searches for, just for us to be more searchable with that term. Right. Right. What I, what I've been telling individuals, especially that sort of like, um, a section under your name on LinkedIn, just go ahead and drop all the different ones that it could be referred to. Um, that way you'll come up in more searches. Um, but I see a lot of people use that space to put like a sentence, right? <laughs> or, be, or what can... <laughs> people, because I'm happy they were like on different platforms trying to get skills, but it's like, there's no job description you're going to find out there to say, we're looking for the top 1% of Trihackme. I told people that plenty of times, I said, 
that's a cool thing that you accomplished, but that's not all. Nobody cares. Your interviewer is not going to care. Nobody cares. <laughs> and so that's one of the things too, is like just being brutally honest with, with applicants and just let them know, like, Hey, I know you might think I'm sounding wrong or you want to think this is a fairy tale, but Hey, no, this thing is a goal. You may find a person that's not even as technical or as good at the job as you work. Like you work them with them. The, the smartest person is not always the person that's getting the promotions or getting the big salaries. They're most probably most of the time the most resourceful or most effective, or they're the most social. They got the most visibility in the company. I'm going to say most personable, I guess. I've, I've learned to admire people in, in organizations who, who know how to finesse. At, at first, at first, I remember younger in my career, they used to piss me off. It was like, oh, man, that man don't know nothing. This person's doing all the work for them. Then as I got older, I was like, nah, that, they, they know how to play the game. They, they killing it. Like, they're they not doing any work. They keep getting promoted. They bulletproof. Like, they say whatever they want to say. I'm like, okay, you done figured it out. I, I get it now. I answer all the time. Like, man, you just got to play the game. I mean, tri- you know, Triple H told you best. Let's see. Now, I think we, I think we got some fun stuff coming up now. So let, let's focus really back on job seekers because I know job seekers going to need a lot of this stuff. And I think this is one of the biggest ones that I wanted you to attack for yourself. For the job seekers out there, can you explain to them what ATS is and why it's not the end all be all to their job search issues? So ATS is just the acronym for Applicant Tracking System. And it's an infinite amount of them out there. Uh, greenhouse lever are probably like the most common workday. Um, but essentially, this is just a system where companies are able to promote their jobs and collect resumes. The, the biggest myth is you need to create a resume that's going to beat the ATS. That is that is not a thing. I don't I don't know where that came from. There is still, to my knowledge, there is still a human behind the ATS, people like myself who have access to view the resumes. And they are typically going through these resumes one by one. That's why it's important to format your resume in a way where you're putting the most important information at the top quickly, because it is true that we're taking like less than 10 seconds. And people can get mad and say, oh, how are you really? Listen, unless you done had hundreds of resumes to look at, you wouldn't get it. Like, I don't, just think about it. How am I going to spend two, three minutes per resume and I got hundreds to go through? I, I wouldn't be efficient. And so that's why we're really scanning, looking for, you know, those key accomplishments and achievements that are relevant to the role that we're trying to fill. Um, it's not the end all be all just because, as I just said, we're looking at hundreds, if not thousands, uh, especially during uh, the market right now. And so networking is still I've been I've been preaching that for a while now. Now is the time to really dig in and and start to uh, get in some of these circles and communities uh, that can put you in a position to to talk with the right individuals that. They don't even have to know you intimately, but familiarity goes a long way. Um and, and so if it's versus me looking at hundreds of resumes and, and hoping to find someone or Henry telling me, hey, I see 
y'all have an opening for a project manager. I actually work with this dope project manager. Can I introduce y'all? I'm going to say, sure. I know Henry. I know he legit. I know he know what he's talking about. So I'm going to trust you that you're going to send me somebody. If nothing else, like even if I don't hire that person, you're you're going to get to talk to an actual person. Um, and so that's why I tell people. Don't get, and and you have to work all your all your channels and all your networks. And so I I, I try to be clear because sometimes people take things too literal. Like, oh, Nate said, don't don't apply. I didn't say that. <laughs> like, definitely apply, but you should also be taking the extra effort to try to find individuals within those organizations to connect with as well. And so it's it's tough. It's tough. Like it's not easy. And people try to act like, you know. I want six figures, but I want it easy. <laughs> like if you're trying to get some big money, you're going you're gonna to put some work into it. Um, and I mean, that's just kind of what it comes down to. I, I don't feel like we we're not at a place now to where we can just think we can just coast into making one hundred fifty, hundred sixty, hundred seventy thousand dollars. Like, no, like most people will never see that kind of money still. And so you still got to put some effort into it if you want to see those kind of dollars. Because people definitely do believe they can just coast and do that. And we'll talk about it. So what what should job seekers be doing in this market? So I already heard you say the most important, if not the most important thing, networking. What what else should they be doing? So it's 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 not it's not just one or two things, honestly. If I if I think back on it, and I, I've really been putting a lot of thought into this as I've been having more of these conversations. But I always tell individuals, first thing you want to do is is do a self-assessment. Like where where are you now in your career? If that's anywhere. Um, you know, some people are laid off, some people, you know, feel like they're stuck in a job, some people don't feel like they have valuable skills. And so really getting an understanding of is the the job I'm doing today or the skills I have today, are they even valuable enough to take me to that next level? Because um, sometimes it's just not like, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I hate to bust people bubbles, but just because you feel like you should be making more money, it's, it's almost like, but what is your actual value? And I tell people, you should really think about yourself as a product. Like what, what kind of product are you? Like, are you a high value product or are you just sort of, a product where I feel like I can find hundreds of you if I wanted to at any point in time. And so taking that self-assessment is important. Once you understand like where you are and what your actual skill set is and, and how valuable you feel like you may be in the market, you should be seeking out, okay, how can I increase my value? Whether that's through experience or, you know, some sort of certification or just up-leveling in some sort of way, or just getting in different circles with different people and networking with different individuals. Cause maybe your circle just isn't putting you in a, a, a place to really be advantageous to your career. Every, everyone is kind of like just treading water is, is what I like to call it. Like you all can't help each other in any certain way. And so you need to attach yourself to someone else. And that's why I really encourage individuals to internally at your organizations, you should, know who those high performers are and try to, I ain't saying kiss ass, but you want to get to know them because there are people who I've met in my career moving up. It's like, I know this person is always going to be legit, like everywhere they go, just because I can tell the way they carry themselves, they get shit done. And so you want to make sure that person knows who you are because they're going to go to another company. I might, I might want to follow them there, or at least when they have another job opening 
and it may not even be in the same department but y'all know each other and like, hey, I saw you all are opening for a recruiter. I might be reaching out to somebody in, in engineering and the recruiting role may be on the business side, but they know me. And so they'll refer me uh, for the role. And that, I know that person probably has juice there because they always a high performer everywhere they go. And so increasing your value through your network is a thing as well. Um, and then I think people need to just start to be a little bit more strategic about how they go about their job search. Um, I was talking to a lady the other day and she was, I feel like she was kind of ignoring where her value lied. Like she wanted to break into tech, but her background was in healthcare, but she wasn't looking at health tech positions. I was like, this is what you know. I was like, this is what you know. This is actually the value right here. Like, because you can try to pitch yourself to these health tech companies as someone who has actually been within the industry for a number of years they're creating technology trying to solve for problems within the healthcare industry that you yourself have experienced. So if nothing else, you can help them understand how to build a better product in order to uh, sell to the customers like yourself, because you've actually been in some of these roles in some of these positions. And I can just saw or, or see like the light bulb go off um, because she, she hadn't even thought about it in that way. And she was just trying to find entry points through maybe like some of the more popular or, um, you know, more well-known companies. I was like, no, nah, like you're missing like a whole segment of, of companies that you're probably a lot more qualified for. Um, so that's like three or four things. And that's why I say like, it's not easy. It's not, like a, it's not an overnight fix when, when you're trying to uplevel in your career and it's actually ongoing. And I, I really like to compare it to fitness. You, you can't just, you know, go to the gym for a week and, and thank you in shape. <laughs> like, like you really have to stay consistent with it. Um, and that's how careers are. Um, and that's why you have those individuals who never seem to panic when when a layoff may be looming or something like that, because they have confidence in their network. They have confidence in their value as a team member. And they know they'll land something else pretty quickly because they are always sort of trying to look ahead and make sure they're um, sort of in a good spot career-wise. You, know, you said a, a mouthful, especially I'm glad you touched on how people want to pivot, but then they won't pay attention to where their strengths lie. Like I have a guy, he's been doing IT and radiology for like, what, 15, 20 years. And I was like, bro, you probably been doing a lot of security stuff already. Let's stay in healthcare and let's figure out those roles that meet your expertise. And I was like, so what we're going to do is we're going to reverse engineer this thing. We're going to network with the people we need to network. We can figure out what type of skills you need. And he's been doing that. And he's been happy about the results he's getting from talking to people who in the industry with similar backgrounds to him. And they say, hey, focus on this and this. We're looking to add to the team soon. You know, if you're trying to go out of something that you weren't really a part of, you got to upward battle you're going to be dealing with a lot of different things you yeah. don't even recognize like it's things that that he's touched in healthcare that i don't have any clue about because i've never really worked in healthcare and that's all we're trying to get y'all to understand <laughs> like even if you're in education you're, like you do ed tech right and I, I think what people to your point of that uphill battle is you also have to look at now you're competing with people who've been in this industry for years and like that's that's going to take you a step back because not only do you have to learn a new industry, but you're having to compete for those jobs with individuals who already have a network within that industry. And it's and 
I'm the type of person. I don't think anything's impossible, but at the same time, you have to be smart about it. Right, right. Let's let's be smart about it. Um, and and I'd like to tell people, you're trying to jump from you know over here to over here. Like you should take a step, take a step, and then maybe you can get closer to where you're going. Um, and it may take you a little bit longer, but I promise you you're going to be making more progress versus right now you're just standing still looking way across the hill, trying to figure out like, how do I get over there? And you haven't even started walking yet. Um, so yeah, definitely a thing, man. And even sometimes with clients, like it's one of the reasons why I actually prefer to have a consult before you decide to do coaching with me is just because I'm going to make sure I got something to work with. If I don't, you may feel like you may not be getting the most value out of me, but then you have to realize it's really not on me. I can only work with what I can work with. If you don't have any skill set, I got to help build you up and tell you what your weaknesses are. Like you would do if you had a personalized coach, like real basketball. And I started coaching you when you were like five or seven. Hey, I'm going to look at you and say, you're deficient. Hey, you don't shoot that well. You can't go to your left. All those different things you can't do. And then we're going to start having to put a plan together. Okay, well, today we're going to work on doing nothing but dribbling with our left hand so we can get like our right hand. All right, today we're going to work on coming off screen shooting. Like, we're going. that's the stuff you got to do when it's coaching. It's like, if you don't have the skill set already, I have to tell you where you can go to get those skills from. And that's one of the things that people sometimes don't want to wait for or they're getting distraught about. Like, it takes time. Like, you know, I'm on a on the call with you now, so you've been a person that's been in the industry, and I'm pretty sure companies reach out to you with big money. Like, I literally this year is probably the year where, well, really last year is where the companies actually started really reaching out with the bigger money. And I tell people, hey, it, it takes time. It's one of two things: time, or you got elite level skills early on in your career. I was like, it pretty much took time to where I, I started getting companies reaching out for the six figures that didn't start with a one. That ain't something that just happens just because you you spent like six months doing something. Now, it can happen, but most of the time it don't happen like that. You rarely find somebody, unless they already had a very high income level skills, come over to a different industry and get a very high paying six-figure role unless they were doing like they did in 2020 where they were just hiring people just to hire them. That's the only, that's the only caveat in the outlier. It's like 2020 and 2021 where the bigger tech companies were just hiring people so the competition wouldn't have people to hire and they weren't doing work. Like, <laughs> that's documented. That's why a lot of those people, unfortunately, had to get laid off. And some of the good people got laid off as well with some of the people who really weren't really adding a lot of value and was costing the company too much in payroll. Yeah, I mean, easy come, easy go, too. Um, and you, you have to be mindful of that. Like, there, there have been... I mean, even in my own career, there have been times where I've been afforded the opportunity to coast just because I was able to, I was just, just aware of my surroundings. Like, okay, like I'm, I'm good. And it depends on what you have going on personally. Right. Like, like sometimes you just, I don't, I don't feel like being Nate, the great recruiter, you know, this month. Right. It's just kind of like, man, I need to take a break. Like I'm chill. I'm gonna get work done, but I'm not. I'm not implementing like any sort of like I'm doing this action because I know it's going to level up my career. And so there have been times in my career where I know I took my foot off the gas and it was intentional. But then there have been times where, all right, right. I was like, okay, I know. I, let me get my name attached to some, some, some big ticket items now because I, I need to, 
I'm probably it's probably gonna be another year or so I'm gonna be looking to make a move and I, I'm gonna need some fresh interview material to pull from to say what I've done it's all about those achievements and accomplishments and I tell people you can keep your head down and, and do nothing if you want to um and not, right and to your to your point earlier if nobody really knows your name at, at the organization yeah like it's you you'll stay off the radar like you you won't get bothered but you you probably won't get promoted either um and i've i've had to had a real conversation with people i worked with before and they were wondering why they're not getting promoted and i was like nobody knows you like i mean right like literally like you you're just doing the job that they hired you to do and paid you to do like you're you're not making good waves um a, a lot of those different things in my advanced your cybersecurity career is like hey shoot Volunteer to present at one of the, the weekly calls or monthly calls. They knock it out the park. Somebody's going to ask about you. Hey, who is that? <laughs> it, it's, just, it's, it's simple stuff you can do. You know, like you said about coasting. Like for me now, I, I'm in the game decade in. So younger me, no kid me. Uh, I was, I had, at, at that time, I didn't have a separate work phone. So everything was on one phone. So I was always replying to stuff at any time of the night. If I was up, I was doing a whole bunch of extra stuff. Now the times between two and 10, you can get what you're going to get. <laughs> Cause that's the level I'm at now. It's, unless it's a big incident that I got to come here for, I'm not going uh, above and beyond anymore. That's not going to get me paid anymore on my check. <laughs> you know, it's funny, you know, you realize that it was like, but I know how to be effective in there. I know, Hey, on the times are working. If some big come up, Oh, I'm volunteering for that. Oh, I did the documentation for this. I did this. And so I knocked out different things in the course of doing my work highly effective yet figuring out how to constrain it without doing too much. Like when you can figure that out, like you said, when you, you look at somebody say, man, hold on, how they keep on moving better than me. That's how like super still speak up in the speak up on calls. Hey, this don't make sense. Like when people want the, they want the people that's going to give them pushback. Like I don't like when you just are shaking your head to shake your head. Nah, like, hey, you got an idea? Because if not, if you tell somebody and you get to say it, they're going to take your idea and take credit for it because you didn't want to say it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you say it um, after the call over, like, oh, we should do this. Yeah, that person definitely steal your idea. But now nah, you're right. And like I said, a lot of things do come with time. That, that not just intuition, but being in corporate America or you know, in a corporate role long enough to to understand what is actually worth your time. And like you say, what is gonna add value to you comes with time as well. Um, Cause there are, there are times they'll ask for volunteers to run with a project or something like that. And I'll sit there nice and quiet like nah, cause I, I know it's not gonna go anywhere. There's been times I've seen the same project get spun up and and sat down, you know, two, three times. Like I'm, I'm not wasting my time on that. Like, Every every time, you know, we run into a specific challenge or a specific problem, someone has a grand idea to do that same project and it never solves anything. And so and so you, you kind of get to understand and learn that now if something new that, you know, the company is moving in a different direction and in order for the company to be successful, they need to hire a team of these types of individuals. Yeah. Put me on that one. Like, because this one is going to this was going to be in the paper. Like this, it's going to be an article about this new product that's coming out. And I want to be able to say, you know, I hired the team that was able to launch that specific product. Like that's kind of what you have to think about versus 
oh, I don't want that kind of pressure or that accountability. I'm going to keep my head down and, and just just work in this little section over here. Like that little section may be the one to get laid off. And now that's what you've attached yourself to. A step further, let's go on something simple you can control. Hey, I refer these people who are killing it at the company. This person got an eye for talent. Or now my manager saying, hey, I got the best team in the whole company. We were, we are responsible for probably a fourth of the company revenue of one contract. And we've renewed this contract every five, three years. All them things, all the simple things matter. Yeah. But I wanted to. If you can articulate it and, and speak it at the right moment to the right person. like And that's what's important. I don't think people. I'm not saying I don't like to generalize. Sometimes it's cool. This with this podcast before we generalize here. <laughs> people have to understand their audience and, and who they're talking to and like what's what's attractive to that individual. Like mm-hmm. the you you have, y'all heard that? Know your audience. Yeah, the the experience or or what you're. Let's say you're in an interview situation. What I say to the hiring manager may be completely different than what I say to the hiring manager's peer because they're they're coming at it from two different directions. I'm looking to make the hiring manager's life easier, so I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to him or her in a way that oh I can take this off your plate, I can take this off your plate, I've done this, I can run with that. Whereas their peer may not necessarily care about that kind of stuff, but I can let that person know like I'm very communicative. communicative and you don't have to worry about following up because like I send out weekly reports, like you'll know exactly what's going on. And it's it's those kind of interview tactics that I try to help people with. And I, cause I feel sometimes, and I know it because of course, like I've been in the recruiting space for a while, but I've sat in debriefs with interview teams. And one of the, uh, the things that they may ding a person for is like, they use the same example, like, for every person that they spoke with. Um, and, and so like they only had, you know, like a one trick pony, like they only had that one thing to say, whereas candidates who had stronger interviews were able to appeal to each individual interviewer in a way that was attractive to them. And then they, they put it all, they put it all together in a way like, oh, he actually gave me a good analytics example. Oh, they gave me a good leadership example. They gave me a good product example. That person seems like a like a better candidate because they were able to speak to all these different components of the role. Yeah, man, you you cooking. We got this section on here for you though. I want to know if you want to get it off or not. And it's the hot takes section. So you got any hot takes you want to you want to get off your chest? Uh I think at the end of the day, um, I don't I don't like put like I think when I'm when I feel like on on LinkedIn, like when I'm bashing a company or something like that, I'm really just doing it to be to be funny. Whereas there's some individuals on there who are really like going at companies' throats and it's just you just mad because they didn't hire you. <laughs> it's, just, it's like it's like if that if a company was if you got rejected from a company and then they sent you an email and said, you know what, we actually opened up another role. Are you interested? Your ass would be praising the Lord, saying hallelujah, you know, like I'm so thankful. I, I just don't understand that. And I try to I try to make sure I'm clear with people. I was like, I am not anti-company. I like they got the money. That's where we get all these nice products and services from. Like, and not only that, what is a company if not just a collection of people? Like once you get that offer letter, you are then the company. Like, and so 
there's no need to kind of go so hard and say, oh, companies are doing this. Companies just lay off. Companies did that. It's like that. I feel like we've seen it enough now. We understand, y'all, that's that's capitalism. Like that's the way that's the way the world operates. It's up to you now to put yourself in the most strategic advantageous position to where no matter what any one company is doing, how they're operating, how their bottom line looks, you know, you, your family, your situation, you're secure. Um, that's, that's the point I try to push across the individuals. Like there's no need in you shouting to, you know, this hypothetical company that they're not being fair. They did you wrong. It's, it's up to you. Like, it's really, it's really your responsibility. Um, and I, I just I just think we all need to take ownership and accountability for our own success and future. Hey man. See, the reason why I was talking about earlier the sob stories is I got a friend of mine, he'll find when people say, Oh, I applied to a hundred or three hundred jobs and nobody said nothing back, and then he'll find another post where somebody said the same exact thing. So it's like there's LinkedIn full of bots where people just putting the same thing and want people to feel sorry for them. Or now you got people saying, hey, I, I, I need to pay my bills or something. It's, I get it. No, I was going to say, I, I, I totally get it. But some of the stuff isn't making sense of like why you can't find anything, on the, even on the lowest level. Like, are, are you asking yourself the right questions? Am I actually a good interviewer? Why am I not even getting called back? Why they keep on rejecting me? Instead of complaining about why it's so hard, like what are you doing wrong that's hurting you in the process? Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I'm with you 100. percent A couple of points on that. If you're if you were if you're applying to like hundreds of of jobs and you're not getting like any bites, no 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 responses, no something. Yeah, you are definitely doing something wrong. Even if that one wrong thing is, you definitely aren't aren't leveraging anybody's network or following up with individuals. Like I just find it hard to believe that you've sent hundreds of individual DMs to people and they haven't even responded to you. I, I find that hard to believe. And and if that's the case, you have either a very low value skill set or you're not you're not appropriately like articulating your experience in a way that's attractive to people. I I can only imagine looking at your resume tells me absolutely nothing that, that you haven't gotten anything or like you say a low level. Now, if you, if you're applying to hundreds and hundreds of positions and you're going after the Microsoft's, the Google's, all that kind of stuff, maybe you need to apply to some of these mom and pop shops. And, and and see is that the problem like may, maybe your skills are you know misaligned at this point and like there's so much talent out there that maybe people just have a lot more experience and, and they're getting like the the big fish and you need to secure some sort of income and start working on building up your value um but i actually talked to this lady the other day um young i think she just turned 30 and she just got a, a job as uh, a chief of staff for a startup. But she said she applied to over a thousand positions. But mind you, that's crazy. But I I say that to say 
she wasn't hurt about it. Like she, she was like, she don't like all that, all that pity me stuff on LinkedIn. She was like, I, she was like, I tracked all my stuff, and she was like, yeah, I was getting some bites. She was like, but there's a certain value I know I offer, and so like I was like trying to get a role that I know was going to pay me a considerable amount, or at least increase my value in the market. Um, but she, she, oh yeah, yeah, she is, she is. Yeah. Yeah, she is. She she legit like she impressed the hell out of me because um, for her to say, <laughs> I wish I could trying to partner with her on some stuff. Um, but for her to say I applied to a thousand and was like, you got to do what you got to do. She was like the market rough. She was like, but what else was I going to do? Just sit there like <laughs> and so I was like, OK, you got the right mentality. Like I, I, I can respect that. I can respect that 100 percent. Certain people do, and certain people also, like I said, they're just applying to anything. So some of the stuff they apply to don't even fit their skill set, and that's a, a issue. Like I did it before years ago when I was, I still have the Excel sheet now. I can show people the jobs I applied to. Some of them I just applied to them when they had security in it because I was just trying to get another gig. And some of them had me a little jaded because there are situations where I was like, y'all was giving me the runaround or telling me one thing you know, verbally telling me something, which is I tell my clients all the time. I had a client that got an offer. Technically, it was like a one of them offers that's contingent if they get the contract or whatever. I was like, cool. I mean, that's cool and all, but we're going to keep interviewing until we get some actual physical in our hand that say we got an offer, we got equipment, that's our start date. We're not stopping interviewing because a lot of people make that mistake. They stop interviewing and something happens, they come back and say we got to pull the offer, uh, money looking funny, the economy and all this other stuff. So... <laughs> You, it's brutal it's brutal yeah you definitely got to um keep going I, I tell people that i said i would keep going today if i was like actively on the market i'm gonna keep entertaining companies and, and taking calls until that first first direct deposit hit because you never know like i, I just saw a guy on, on linkedin going off because he uh got laid off. I think he had only been with the startup for like a like a couple of weeks and, and money dried up that quick and they had to, you know, let some folks. And that's what people want to break into tech, break into tech. A lot of these startups are are operating off debt. And 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 you know, like and and don't get me wrong, like that's just I mean it's it's literally like a an entrepreneur. Like that's that's all it is. And so um yeah, like you, you still can't. I, I think people, a lot of people, want to get to a point to where they can just feel like they can just sit and be easy and be like, "Whew, I don't have to worry about a job for a couple of years." You gotta have some situational awareness and just understand the state that we're in right now as as a market and as an economy. You, you know, the big the big wigs are laying off, the the small companies are laying off, and so you just kind of always have to be prepared for that. I just, for me personally, like I just don't. I can't just sit and just be comfortable right now. I, I just don't think now's the time for that. Um, and and I'm not saying that you should live in a constant state of like stress or, or fear that you're going to get laid off. But what I am saying is while you do have stable income, that's where you should be increasing your value and, and building out that network and connecting with individuals so that if something bad does happen and you get laid off unexpectedly or something like you don't panic. Like that's why I try to tell people now you can't control that you get laid off or not, but you can control that, that panic phase that you go through. Cause you're like, Oh, okay, that's fine. Like I'm gonna pivot to this. I actually been in some conversations with these individuals. They've been asking me to come over here 
And I've seen people get jobs very Whew, I don't see some people run some plays. They get a severance package and then they get like a sign on like within a couple of weeks because they saw it coming. I was like, man, that's a come up. Google the shit. You know, she had a good severance with Google and um, she bounced back uh, a couple of weeks ago with Meta. Well, months ago, months ago with Meta. So I was like, hey, you, you just got to know how to finesse it, man. And that was, and, and that's the other part I'm at. Add, and then we're going to get into the questions about your company. Your network. I was going to put on TikTok today that you will probably be underpaid if you don't have any high performers or anybody close in your network at, at different jobs. Having a good networker will let you know if you're getting paid fairly or unfairly. Because they can be like, nah, that's too low, bro. You got you to gotta go somewhere else. I know somebody over here on this team, they making this. Let me see if they got some openings. That that's how you find out always. That's how you get information. Yeah, I mean, if if you if you're running in a circle and like you say, you all are exact peers, um, and and nobody is is asking those questions to HR or probing or at least just trying to be like very ambitious. Some somebody gotta gotta share the share the oh, information. Yeah. To your point, like so, somebody has to be. Saying, "Hey, y'all! Like, we getting shitted. Like, yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> we need to be doing this. We need to be doing that. Like, this company over here is paying this, and yeah, like when everybody just kind of has their their head down and nobody wants to talk about it. That's how you get stuck like that, um, and you fall behind. I, I think that's one one of the points I try to kind of live by. I, I don't want to get too far behind because I know that catch up hell. <laughs> but man, so." You got your own company, and I want to make sure I'm saying it right. Infinite is it infinite talent or infinite talent? Okay, infinite talent. And so I wanted to ask you, what made you want to go into business for yourself and start your own recruitment company, bro? I've been wanting to do this at least for like the last year and a half. I ain't gonna lie, I was scared as hell. I've always been on somebody's payroll, and so I had a lot of fear which I, I feel like most any entrepreneur probably will, right? Like, is this going to work? Can I do it? Um, all that kind of stuff. But I finally built up the confidence. And um, honestly, a couple of things that happened that just really put me in a good spot. I was I was one to, to um, transition from Lyft. And I, I really wanted to start my own company after I left Lyft. Uh, Lyft was good to me for, you know, four plus years. And so I was like, okay, this has been great. I can just leverage the lift name and value the experience I have. And I can just roll into something else. Still wasn't quite ready. I feel like confidence wise. Um, and then I got presented with uh, an opportunity to go be head of talent at a startup through my network. Somebody I actually had hired a couple of years ago at Liv. She had went to the company and then we got reconnected and she was like, Hey, we need somebody on recruiting. And, you know, boom, I, I'll just kind of slide into that. And then that actually um, was, you know, I was kind of like, ah, I really want to do my own thing. They wanted me to come in house, but I was like, but I've never had the experience to to be the first TA hire at a startup and build everything from scratch. I knew the value of that experience and would take me so far in what I was trying to do with my my own company that I got started up. So now, like, I can pitch myself to startups to say, you know, I recently worked directly with a founder, helped them do headcount planning, you know, helped them um, understand, you know, how to 
allocate sources appropriately? Um, should we be shifting people around internally in order to save money versus like hiring externally? Like, should we do contract consult, whatever? And so that's been, that's been awesome. And, and so just having that experience to, to put in my, um, on my LinkedIn and, and sort of like in my, my business bio has, has really gone a, a long way or else I honestly, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't have had like such the best pitch versus like, I can get the job done. If that makes sense. Now, like I got some receipts, um, but I, I don't know. I, I think now is just the time. I'm, I kind of wanted to take a break from being managed. I, I'm not even going to sit here and say I wouldn't take an opportunity to come back in house full time because money talks. And I, I've just learned like um, people change their minds too, right? Like it's, it, there's been seasons I've gone through where I wanted to do this. And now if you would offer me that, I'd be like, oh, hell no. Nah. Like, and so now I, I just kind of know like I, I change over time as well. But um I'm enjoying it, man. Trying to build something on my own and waking up every day knowing I got to hold myself accountable. Um, as I mentioned earlier, like how I joined the military, like that personal challenge, like I, I really enjoy that. And I haven't had that in a while, I feel like. And so this is, this has been fun. Ooh, so what type of roles are you recruiting for? Is it just what comes your way or what? Right now, um, so I'm targeting startups. And so I'm I'm only been... I say only, but I'm like six, seven weeks into this entrepreneurship journey. And so I'm still doing a lot of business development. I ain't a lot, but I got, I got some things swirling around. Uh, I see now how, how it feels to be in sales for real. Like everybody's like, oh yeah, we love to work with you. Oh man, we got plenty of recs. Once we get this budget approved, all that kind of stuff. But what, what I'm fine with though, I've already, um, I already had a couple of small businesses I was doing some contingency recruitment for. So I got dollars coming in, but I'm looking to like land like some, some whales. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the goal is to build up the company to where I can kind of pull myself out of actual recruitment and just have like an operations manager. Yeah. And, and maybe just work on like business development. Um, that's, that's the goal to, to kind of scale it to a point of where I don't really have to touch it. Yeah, that cause I'm getting a little bit to some of that point. Um, so companies, if y'all are watching or listening to this, please get out here if you need some help. We'll probably hopefully, hopefully I'll be able to help them some type of way with this platform and uh, marketing. That's what I've kind of been doing now too. Like I was telling a friend of mine, uh, shout out to Christy. We talk about brand deals and all this other stuff sometimes. I was like, you know, I'm, I told her, I said, I'm not really trying to chase all the big brands. I was like, there are people I know with their own companies that we can establish relationships where I could possibly help them, you know, as well with the type of content I make, my my branding, where we can do business versus me just trying to, like I was telling you earlier, with with whoever the people are that's playing games. <laughs> um, you know, I was like, I, if there are people, you know, with smaller companies that pay me, you know, more without the hassle. So <laughs> it's like one of those things is like, that's what you're talking about. Like the networking piece It's like, you just network. Like they know like the type of person you are, you've been brought them on. There are many different things you can do, especially with how many people reach out to me for needing help finding jobs and stuff like that. So. Bro, that networking piece is, is, is priceless. I mean, hell like just, just me and you chatting now, like it was just a connection made and like, oh man, we'll shoot something. Like, I mean, it, it really goes far and 
and since I've been in this, um, you know, this this heavy business development mode, just I've just been enjoying how many dope individuals I've been able to meet who who got so much motion for real. Like I mean, like just sort of, and I I never come to. I'm not one of those people like I want to hop on people's wave, um, but I do like to hear about what you have going on. If nothing else, I want to learn how did you get to this point? Like what what moves did you make? Now, I will follow Blueprint. I will do that shit. I'll, I'll ask some questions and ch- I'll follow in some footsteps now. I'm like, oh, that's what you did. Huh? I'm like, oh, let me let me look up this person. Who was that? Like, <laughs> uh, Stuff that I did traveling area early on, whether it was content or business stuff like I'm there to say hey well you could do this or try to do that like you know even like when we first met months ago when i was like yo you got the stuff on the channel i think you should do this or that like i've there are plenty of people i've met people at the podcast studio i record at and i've said the same thing i said yo your content is dope i was like but this, the marketing piece of it of just knowing the youtube side of the thumbnails and the descriptions and all the other small stuff that goes into making your YouTube grow before you can finally like either hire a team to help you with it, or you just get big enough to where you don't have to worry about the small details. Cause that's what I'm telling somebody I said, we can't name our, our videos, like the big channels because they got so many people. They're going to watch regardless. You have to be strategic enough that someone may take this in as a search term so they can find it through search or YouTube recommends it. And you just got to make sure the content is good. All the, all the, long drawn out stuff that you could find or like trying to find evergreen content it's different like things you could figure out when it comes to starting content no that's smart I, I need to start um putting more effort into that i i do know i i took your advice i i posted a couple of things on youtube i still haven't been marketing my channel that much but i am trying to put some of those um words where like job search or career tips, like just something that people may be searching in general versus, you know, Nate talking to Mike, like no one's going to be looking for that. <laughs> Life at the layoff YouTube channel. Cause if you start typing in, like what I do sometimes, like I got a video that I'll probably be doing like a solo pod episode pretty soon on like, like why are you not having a thriving career? And so I just went and found different articles that I may talk about and bring up different points to help me craft it. So I can know that it's going to be beneficial to my, the people that are um watching my channel. And so that's sometimes what I do too is, okay, what I want to talk about? What do I know people struggle with? Like you said, hey, why say it can so long for me to get an offer? The thing that you brought up that you could probably do a video on is different people on the team and not overusing the same story for everybody, but trying to use a different story that may fit to what they do at the company where that they, what they're looking for. That's something everybody doesn't know. So it's those ways. Like for me, like I said, like you don't really don't even have to worry about so many views. Like the content's good. People like people come in on stuff from like three years ago and say, man, I'm so happy I found this channel or, or something. So I was always just playing like the long game of just making sure the content's good, getting better at the content, getting better with the quality, the audio. Like I got a cloud uh, preamp thing, whatever this thing is called. But now like this mic is even louder because I had noticed like, man, I got it plugged into my Scarlet thing, but it's not as loud as it, it needs to be. Like my game was turned all the way up. So now this preamp on here is boosting it. So even stuff like that, like this light is over here. Got a light right here. Got a light right here. All this other crap. So, but that's the other part of, of me just wanting to help people with their channels and seeing if I'm able to help people. There's some people that's actually better content creators than me and all, or their niche is better than mine. And I want to help them with that as well, just because. I like doing that. I like helping. I think 
that's probably like my calling of like just being a helper. Yeah, I, I think that's why I like the the career hacker Nate side. Um, the infinite talent that's 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 the money. That's I'm, I'm gonna be greedy with that. But career hacker Nate, I'll, anybody that shoot me something on LinkedIn about hey man, can you look at my resume or I would like to you know talk to you about trying to break into tech or whatever. I usually uh, set up some time with them. Like I, I, I have learned to be more mindful. I may send them my link, like, "Hey, find something, you know, middle of next week, something like that." Um, just so I can make sure I'm knocking out some prioritized stuff. But it, it, it feels good to see that light bulb go off on people and be like, "Oh, thank you." Like I hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> Nate podcast. That's like that's not that's what you're gonna see. Entrepreneurs push on YouTube say, "Hey, if you're an entrepreneur, just start you a podcast because free marketing." Like literally. I wake up sometimes and people have gotten services. I was like, because somebody asked me like, oh, where you mark? I said, I really don't run ads. Like I might put a some in the mailing list out or on LinkedIn or on my story. But for the most part, like my marketing is mostly like YouTube, to be honest. Hey, bro, you doing it. I, I saw you hit uh, 20K subscribers. And 20K and uh, 1.5 million views. So... I'm uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to push. That's the thing too. Sometimes your channel gets to a point where it actually start hitting that stride. Like last month, was like the biggest amount of subscribers I gained in a month. So, yeah, I've just been focused on like putting more content out, getting better. Like, met with a VA this week to um, maybe see if they can help offload some of these things. Like, I have like snippets of episodes I, I need to put out, but I've been so busy I ain't even had time to cut them and, and just drop them on YouTube. So there's so much stuff going back from. My episode with Broadus that I need to just put some good stuff on there. Like even my episode with Bobby, like I didn't get a chance to cut that up. This is a lot of crap that I, that I'm gonna get cut up once uh, I get some more help and let them do it. Cause it's, it's it is pretty tough. I ain't gonna lie to you, but I want to I want to ask you, man. You know what are what are some things you want to leave the audience with? Like if you want the two or three important things you want to leave them with, what would it be? Uh. Number one, I would say, I do believe you can strongly do like, um, you can do whatever you want to do. I, I think, <laughs> I know that's very cliche and, and sort of like basic, but I, I've just learned like even myself, like I have to talk to myself sometimes. We live in a world now, like you have access to all the education, all the resources, like whatever you want to do, like you can literally like live the life you want to live if you're willing to put in the work. Um, but I also, in that, in that same, um, you know, same phrase, I, I like to say, don't stress yourself out about things that aren't important to you. I, I think sometimes getting caught up in social media, it make everybody think like, oh, I need to be selling houses. Or I need to be doing Airbnb. Or I need to break into tech. If you be happy, like live, live your life. Like, like don't put no undue stress on yourself. If you're not into that, if you don't want to do that, then cool. But if you do want more, then strive for it. Like you can get to it. Um, I think networking, um, regardless of your career field, I, I like to be, don't get me wrong. Like I love tech, tech changed my life. And I, and, um, you know, if you have a desire to get there, you can, but I don't, I don't want people to dismiss the rest of the world these other companies out here cutting checks too. Like don't, don't think that just cause you don't got a tech company. I've actually seen individuals get an increase going to like a traditional company after being in tech because your value has increased. 
And so like, so now you're going from this big popular tech company to this, you know, old school company and they want you to come in and change and implement process and all that kind of stuff. So it's however you want to, you know, package your experience. You can, you can get the bag either way. Um, let's see. Final thing. Final thing I would say is definitely, um, continue to learn and read and, and get smarter. I, I think that's what I'm on now, like getting smarter. And by getting smarter, it ain't, you ain't got to sit down and, you know, read for two, three hours a day or something like that. But just start taking in some of this this content, some of these articles on LinkedIn, white papers, like sign up for newsletters. Like that's, that, that little bit of knowledge every day, consuming it continues to, at least for me, like it just opens up your mind to the possibilities out there. When you start reading about these 20-some-year-olds starting companies, getting getting grants and making investments all that kind of stuff it just it just shows you what's what's possible like these people are not superhuman they're they're not you know <laughs> anything special like they they didn't come from another planet or something like they just really started putting in the work and, and found a niche and, and ran with it so um yeah like I, I i just love the way the world is moving man i, I see more people of color getting money um I still see some people kind of lost, feel like they don't know which way to go with it. But I think I've seen you post a couple of times, man. Talk to somebody else. Like, it's, it's nothing wrong with asking for help and getting some direction um, and getting some coaching. And, and all, oftentimes, you don't necessarily even have to pay for it. Like, like I say, me and you, like, we like to help people. Like, if you just need a little bit of direction or even just a little bit of encouragement, I feel like that goes a long way. Yeah, I totally agree. And a lot of times people reach out to me, I'm like, well, you know, check out my free stuff first. Or sometimes I've made a video exactly for them. Like when I made the post yesterday about going from 50 to 75K, uh, a young lady reached out to me about, well, how did you do this? And I'm trying to do the same and I can't yada, yada, yada. So I found the exact episode that I did when I was telling people about, I was like, title 75K changed my life. Just send it to her. I said, this will probably answer it better than me trying to type all this stuff back to you. Nah, that's facts, bro. And I, I get caught up with that myself. I think we live in a world of so much content and it's 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 hard to, I like to speak for myself. It's hard for me to say. I mean, one day I caught myself, I was like on my phone watching like a YouTube video and I minimized the YouTube video, started scrolling on Instagram. Then I click like an email. I'm just like, God damn, boy, I'm overloaded. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't even focus on... <laughs> I was like, it was like, is this video not enough? Like I'm sitting here watching a little podcast. That's not enough. I also want to see what's going on on Instagram. I was like, yeah. And I just learned I had to reset myself. And and that's why I post so many things on my Instagram about like focus and and just kind of dedicating yourself to something because that that's what will change your life. Like as long as you're you're so distracted by so many different shiny things. Like it's hard to get that one thing done. And so I've really tried to implement some of the stuff that I share about like setting a timer and doing like some focus work for one or two hours and saying, no, I'm going to upload content at this time and I'm going to cut off everything else and just focus on that. Um, Cause that's, that's the only way to get things done these days, man. We got so many options uh, and how we could be spending our time. Like you, you really have to be intentional. So man, where can the listeners and the viewers, where can they keep up with you at? Like, how can they keep in contact with you? LinkedIn is always going to be my go-to. I'm trying to build my other platforms up. So it's at Career Hacker Nate on Instagram. Uh, definitely follow me there. Connect with me on LinkedIn. 
Nate Wiley, W-Y-L-I-E. Um, I accept all, all followers and connections. I don't know why people be hiding on LinkedIn. That bothers me. Uh, <laughs> I told you, I don't connect with everybody. <laughs> really? Nah, cause some, I connect well, with everybody, though. Well, I tell them if they want to connect with me, just send me a little note. Because sometimes I might not want to see what you posted. So for me, it's kind of like I try mm. to, that's how I keep it. Because like, I have a, surprisingly, even though it's not super big, I almost got like 10K followers like on Twitter. So I don't follow everybody on there either. Because it's like the people I want to follow, I want to learn from them or keep up with them because I like them. I think for me, um, so many of my connections are like talent acquisition. And so like that's what um, hogs my news feed and it's all relevant to me. So I feel like when I'm connecting with everybody, like it's not enough to like disrupt my news feed in a way of like I'm seeing stuff I don't want to see. But yeah, I, I connect with it. I connect with anybody. Um you can you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's not where I wanted to be yet. We'll we'll circle back to that one. But it's a uh, career hackinate on YouTube. Yeah, it's career hackinate on YouTube as well. And y'all already know how to keep in touch with me. Look, we always dropping hot stuff on Monday. So hopefully this is gonna come out Monday. Say hey, for the dogs is out now. Lower your windows. It's getting a little cooler. If you got your chick with you, y'all listen to For the Dogs, drink some wine, watch some good on TV. But like your boy, I always say, let's stay textual. It's your boy HD, and we out. Until next time. Peace.